Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the next installment of the NACTA and Affiliates Virtual Programming Lineup. I'm Dana Leroy, Communications Manager for NACTA, and we are glad to have you with us for this sponsored content session with Dirk and Edson. Dirk and Edson provides quality planning and design services to shape the natural and built <laughs> natural and built environment in innovative and functional ways. They specialize in enhancing campuses, downtowns, and athletics. Today's session is titled Stepping Up Your Game, Two Ways to Jumpstart Your Athletics Planning. Our speakers will examine results of two athletic planning systems, one focusing on physical enhancements and one focusing on analyzing the repercussions of bringing a new sport to an institution. Steve Sproles, principal at Dirk and Edson, will be leading this conversation. We also have two campus panelists here to share their experiences. Eric McNally, Athletics Director at Eastern University, and Kathy Schaefer, Vice President for Operations at Messiah University. Before we officially begin, a quick reminder for our live attendees using Zoom to use the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom window and send in your questions throughout the presentation as we will have a lot of time at the end to answer them. And with that, I'll hand things over to Steve to start the discussion. Great, thank you very much. Uh, I want to kind of right, get right into what we're going to be talking about today. I'm happy to be joined by Kathy and Eric, and I think uh, their part of our presentation will probably be the most interesting. So I'm going to move through uh, the early part of this agenda fairly quickly. Um, what we want to talk about today, really our goal, is to just introduce you to two new tools that you might find helpful in regards to your facilities uh, planning and programming an athletics enhancement plan and a sports business analysis. And I'm going to explain those both. Uh, in a little bit more detail. And then most importantly, as we get to later on in our presentation, Kathy Schaefer is gonna be talking about kind of a case study of how they've used the athletics enhancement plan for Messiah College. And Eric will be doing the same thing on the sports business uh, analysis at Eastern. So I'm gonna get right into that. <clears throat> a little bit about who we are as a firm, just so you know uh, who is kind of uh, leading this conversation today. Dirk and Edson is uh, based in Pennsylvania and we work all over the country. We have a great team of, of architects and planners, landscape architects and engineers all in-house so that we can really meet all the athletic and recreational needs either inside the buildings or on the outdoor venues. Our focus is really campuses and athletics. Probably 60 to 70% of our work each year is focused in one of these two markets. We recognize that the best planning uh, can fall short if your idea cannot be conveyed in ways that everybody can understand and get them just as excited about the project as you are. We spend some extra efforts, which hopefully you're gonna see in our presentation today, uh, putting together the graphics that really tell the story for the plan. We not only do high level planning, but we also do the construction drawings that put these projects together. Uh, we think it's important as you do planning to understand the systems, materials, products out there in this very unique world. And I think that that understanding that makes the planning upfront much better. Now let's get into it. What exactly is an athletics enhancement plan and what makes it different from maybe other planning tools that you've uh, encountered in the past? I'm gonna guess that somewhere on your campus, you might have facilities that may look something like one of these images. Hopefully not too many of you have coaches and temporary trailers as the institution does there in the upper right photo. 
Um, but there's always areas that don't look their best. And pretty soon, sometimes you might get so used to it that you walk right past it and begin to accept it as normal. Our goal really in this planning process is to do a number of things. Uh, the types of spaces I just shared with you, let's identify them and figure out what we can do to enhance your current facilities. Let's try to engage the right people on your campus to clarify and help put together a, a vision for the future of the athletics and recreation on your campus. Identify any needs for new facilities and try to determine if it can be a renovation or an addition and where those things might go. And most importantly, and what you'll see as a tool here that we talk about is prioritizing those. How do we get the biggest bang for our buck, the return on our investment? And ultimately the big goal is to have a positive impact on recruitment of all students, athletes, uh, and recreational users as well. The enhancement planning process really has four steps to it. And I'm gonna walk you through each of those steps pretty quickly. But normally it can be done in about four months or a semester or over the summer, depending upon your particular schedule. It can be done very quickly, uh, which is very helpful. First, we wanna to get to have our team get up to speed with you, your team, your facilities, your needs as quickly as possible. Uh, we immerse ourselves in your institution uh, through tours, interviews, reviewing previous studies, talking and working with you to identify what the challenges are and what your future needs are. So we get up to speed as quickly as we can. Based on the understanding of those challenges, spaces and the goals that you have, then we can really quickly start to explore potential solutions. This is a very iterative process. We create potential solutions. You react to them, we would adjust to them you respond back and forth because at the end of the day, the solution that is best for your institution, you're going to be an integral part of developing that. Sometimes it's simple fixes, right? It's just, it can be handled with just uh, some, some curb appeal and some branding. Sometimes those spaces are very easy. I know Eric is going to talk earlier is redoing his gymnasium right now with new lights, new paint, new branding. It can be a, a huge difference. But other times the goals might be much grander. This is a, a Alverna University. And in that particular campus, they had one indoor practice space. And really only one court on the whole campus. And the varsity athletes uh, used it continually. And so there was really no space for intramural or recreational needs of the rest of the student body. And so this field house not only solved that problem, but as well created great practice space for their varsity teams. The community began to use this building and so forth. So some plans can be very grand and others very modest. Once the ideas and, and the suggestions and the design process has occurred, then we spend time reflecting on those various projects, looking at the solutions, reevaluating them, making sure it's the right answer. Um, and this is when we get into this part of the planning process that might be a little bit different than what you've seen in the past. We've learned over the years that not all projects are created equal. Uh, the two examples I just showed you are perfect examples of that. We find it's important to categorize the various projects and, and over the past uh, number of years, we've found these three categories work really well. Operational projects or lower cost projects, for example, maybe the painting and branding example I showed you earlier. Capital projects or maybe middle of the road cost projects, something that is probably not gonna just be run through your operational budget but not significant cost. And then of course, there's the legacy projects, the new uh, field house or the new track and stadium or the larger uh, projects that are gonna require some serious effort financially or a donor's name on it 
um, or things of that nature. But if we can categorize them into three different areas, then we can approach them and attack them and make improvements from different funding sources and in different ways, hopefully continually showing improvements within your facilities all the time and not waiting around for the one big project. The other part of this process that's a little unique is what this little matrix that we've created, we call it the priority matrix. So in this particular case, this is a listing of all the legacy projects for an athletics um, enhancement plan that we did previously, everything from a new 10 lane pool to an indoor track, large legacy name projects. At the end of the day, how do we decide which of these can be the highest priority? And so we've created this little uh, matrix that identifies four key areas. The first one everybody wants to know about is what's it cost? How complex is it? What's the impact and what's the urgency? And we work with you to establish a priority system. These numbers are relative to the others. And as we work with you to fill in these blanks, literally projects start to float to the top. It may be expensive, but it also may be the biggest impact to the student body. And so you all are part of making those decisions, but projects then literally come to the top of this and those become our higher priority projects. So we would do one of these matrices for the legacy projects, as well as the capital projects. Here you can see some locker room upgrades, some uh, restrooms near the baseball and softball complex, things of that nature. <clears throat> and then operational projects, right? Some branding, some new fencing and softball, storage in some areas. Those are the kinds of projects that typically fall into those lists. So when you're done, you would actually have these priority projects and you can then work with your administration on finding funding sources for them. And then when you get a couple done one year, you can go to the next year down the list. The other part that's important, the last of these four phases, I call, we call the presentation phase. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the best planning in the world can easily uh, never get traction if we can't convey the vision. Obviously not every project on the list uh, of your enhancement plan is gonna get this level of graphics, but for those that rise to the top, um, getting these extra graphics, uh, putting them together helps you sell your administration, your student body and, and donors if necessary. In some cases, we've had institutions where, uh, in addition to just um, static imagery, they actually wanted to create a movie. This is a brief little segment. This is at Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey. And we're gonna talk about new sports analysis here in a minute, but this is a good example of where at FDU, they wanted to bring on men's and women's um, track and field. And so we ended up creating this video to support that. Uh, as well as, as part of their master plan, they wanted to upgrade their baseball stadium from natural grass to synthetic turf, as well as allocating space for a future softball field. So this movie for them was very helpful in making their case to their board, helping them with the fundraising that took place, and uh, we can also go down that route if necessary. So let's talk about the sports business analyst. Uh, now, as you, this is really uh, intended for yourself, want to bring on new sports perhaps to your programs, or maybe the administration's come to you and challenged you as the athletic director to bring on more, uh, more sports. So what is a, a proper way to evaluate the cost of that? What's it gonna take? How, how heavy of a lift is it to bring on a new sport? What all is involved? And that's why we've created this, this analysis. I'm gonna talk you through some of these steps because as you can imagine, and many of you know this, I'm sure there's a lot of things we have to consider. And part of this process is making sure that we've all asked all of the right questions. And some of this comes down to why are we wanting to bring on new sports? Obviously, uh, different reasons for different institutions. 
Sometimes it's uh, wanting to modify the diversity profile of your student body um, or the gender ratio. We had a campus that was finding themselves being leaning towards 60% female and 30% male. They wanted to bring on football, not to necessarily bolster enrollment, but to try to work with that gender uh, balance on campus. And so we would go through this process, working with you, following up on all these and trying to answer and define these various components as part of what would be involved in making the decision to bring on a new sport. Obviously, uh, there's a report that would be part of this with a lot of data and a lot of analysis that supports this information. But what we're finding is, you know, many people, specifically administrators, show me the numbers. How, how much money could we make should we bring on new sports as many institutions are looking to grow enrollment through athletics? And so even this final summary chart, you know, the first year you generally, in most sports, are going to lose some money because you've got to bring on all your upfront costs and coaches in order to recruit your team. But at what year does that return on investment start to go from the red to the black? And that's going to vary depending upon your facilities, the sports team you're considering, and so forth. And as you can imagine, even this simple chart, there's a lot of information that goes on behind it, from the equipment costs uh, to the soft costs necessary to support these kinds of programs. So all of that would be part of these types of reports. And at the end of the day, what we're finding, oftentimes the CFO really likes the idea of someone independently putting this package together so that they can then make the final decisions about the cost of bringing on new sports. So we thought this might be a helpful tool for you if your institution is considering something along those lines. So those are both very high level summaries of these two tools. Um, what I'm going to do is hand this over to Kathy and Kathy's going to talk about how the athletic enhancement plan was used and how they implemented that at Messiah College. Kathy. Thank you, Steve. I I lost Steve's volume, so I'm hoping you're all hearing me. Good morning, everyone. Um, Messiah College at the time, now Messiah University, entered an enhancement um, planning process with Dirk and Edson because we were way past an active master plan. Um, and we were looking to um, address some really um, growing needs and loud voices within our um, campus. So we're located in central Pennsylvania. We're uh, undergraduate student body of right now just under 2,500. Athletics is an important part of who we are and we have been um, extremely successful um, in our athletic program. We have um, in the late 90s had our first individual national championship and since then we've had 31 national championships. Our uh, men and women's soccer teams are known as um, powerhouses in the country. Uh, three different times, they've both been national championships and the champions in the same year. And we're really proud of our student athletes. Um, they really take the role of student and athlete together. But as we went into our planning, we also wanted to think about um, our rec sports teams, our club teams, and how we engage all of campus in um, wellness, not just in um, our sports. And so when you're at a D3 school, uh, sports are an important part of your um, enrollment plans, but um, you're also competing for dollars for lots of other things. So for us, while you would think we would have fabulous facilities based on our success, we had limited spaces in aging facilities. And as we go through the plan, I'm gonna share how we 
um, really took a look at all of our spaces and how we were using them for recreation, classroom, teaching, and um, athletics to create a plan that would help us. We also were at a time where we knew enrollment um, needed to grow or was going to be challenging. For most of us, we all challenged hitting numbers. And so we knew coaches were going to be expected to increase their rosters. Um, and we needed to make sure we had space um, for that. We also know that our athletes come from high schools whose facilities far outshine any of the colleges, particularly in private D3. And um, we were losing some key athletes because they'd come in and see our gym and be like, you're kidding me, right? I, I play in front of 2000 people and um, that. So as we um, started working on this, we worked on a plan that was inclusive of all campus, not just athletics. Um, so we have a, a unique campus in that we are um, situated in two counties. That is a challenge for us in some of our work. Um, and our indoor facilities are um, fairly separated from our exterior facilities. And then we also, what's not shown here, have some areas that are rec sports areas. And we were using um, this plan to really talk about, do we bring them together? Do we look at um, building a new field house someplace? Do we move uh, fields around? And the plan helped us really think strategically long-term. So this is um, an aerial view of what is the largest facility on our campus. Um, Eisenhower Campus Center and Sallenberger Sports Center. It is the home to our um, sports that are uh, housed inside, so basketball, wrestling, volleyball. Um, and it's a building that started in 1972 and with five different additions before this last one was the clamor of just spaces, not well connected, not well branded. Um, getting uh, guests from one spot to another was challenging. So as we did um, work with Dirk and Edson, we looked at what do we need here? And so one of the challenges was that our gym space, um, if we go to the next slide, in, um, where we had a home court was really not meeting NCAA regulations. While the court fit in the space, we didn't have enough runoff to the walls. Um, we were limited in capacity for spectators. Um, and so we needed to address that. But we also had a fitness center that was uh, 10 pieces of cardio equipment on an indoor track and a weight room that maybe 15 or 20 people could use at a time, but not really um, set up for people to be serious about their training. We also had a pool without spectator seating and had a couple years before this plan brought swim on as a competition. And then we had a wrestling team that was at a national level running out of space. We also had a gym that was our home court gym that really was all about events too. So every week we were scheduling hour by hour the use of that and turning it around. And we knew we could not keep up with that. Our rec sports program, students could not get into a gym until nine o'clock at night. Um, we were running events 24-7 some weeks. So our board uh, worked with us and challenged us on this. So as you see uh, moving forward, we were able to um, 
create in this plan a brand new gym space, a new fitness center space, modify our old rec gym to become our new home court, and add seating to our pool, and add space to the wrestling room, along with additional office spaces for coaches. If we move uh, forward here, um, this was the beginning of selling our story. This, uh, this rendering um, had a huge impact on our board. When you entered our campus before we saw this rendering and, and now the building, you drove into the campus and you saw a long, several hundred feet long brick wall. And you really didn't realize you were at Messiah's campus. You didn't see any sense of campus life. And so Dirk and Edson really worked with us to take the footprint of the existing building and a small part of the land around it and add on to the building. So what you see in this picture in the above glass is our new fitness center. So it brings natural light into the fitness center. It looks out onto a beautiful green space. Um, from one view, the other view looks into our pool. We were able to brand and put our name on the, the windows, but we also designed it in a way to save parking on our campus. And they, the advantage that they bring to our planning was that they think about campuses holistically, not just athletics. So what does the impact have? We couldn't afford to lose parking. No college campus can. And so they created a fitness center over uh, a, and created a parking garage for us. And then also created a new gym space with two courts on it. This rendering helped give a vision to our donors and our board. And in a few pictures, you'll see that it actually looks like this um, when we were done with construction. So on our outside, um, we had several challenges. We had a lacrosse team at the time that was using our turf field for field hockey. Um, we all know that hockey players and lacrosse players don't like playing on the same type of turf, and we were having damage there. We have a um, restroom concession stand that is, um, well, I'm ready for the sledgehammer is what I tell people. We, um, it has two stalls on the men's side and two stalls on the women's side and a small locker room, and it really doesn't meet the needs. Our soccer attendance in the fall uh, on a weekend can have well over a thousand people at a game. And so we knew that when we looked at our outside facilities, we needed to look at the conditions of our fields, adding some fields, adding some lighting, and addressing the restroom concession stand process. And so with Dirk and Edson, we were able to identify several different uh, projects. Um, one of the key ones, that this plan really helped us in fundraising with the pre-planning and imagery was our lacrosse. When I don't even think the plan was finalized 100% when our development team talked to a potential donor and with them seeing the vision for this that included at the time a turf field lighting and a um, stadium seating, they actually gave the lead gift, a 90% gift to start with the turf field. And we were able to fundraise the balance of that pretty quickly and be successful in completing this project. One of the advantages to having a well-defined plan was that we did not have the money for the lights, but we knew the lights were gonna go in at some point. So 
in the infrastructure, Dirk and Edson helped us identify where the lights would be, what we would need underground, so that when the field went in, we didn't have to dig up anything later on to put the lights in. And then within almost a year, we were able to raise enough money for the lights. So we have completed two parts of that vision um, pretty quickly. The stadium seating is part of a longer term plan, um, but we now have an opportunity for a lacrosse team to have a field. It's designed so that other teams could play on it if we needed to, and it's really helped that program succeed. Um, here's some images of our indoor space. So this is uh, our new fitness center. You can see the weight areas. When we had an old space, all you had really were what I call universal type equipment. Um, we average um, just over 55,000 visits a year in our um, fitness center. And most afternoons between three and five, they can have over 300 people coming and going, and you would not know it. The space is well designed. The weight area is separate from the cardio. Um, it's designed in a way that if you're like me, who just occasionally goes, I'm not intimidated by the elite athlete that's in there. There's a variety of equipment. Um, Dirk and Edson helped us think through equipment, not only for the elite athlete, but for the um, employee and student that just cared about wellness and taking care of themselves. We um, work to purchase our weight type of equipment, but we're leasing our cardio. So every three years we can assess, the, assess our needs in there and change out that equipment to better meet, our, meet the needs of our student body. And then on the other side, you'll see our home court, Jordan Court. This um, became our competition court. When we looked at our plans for our previous court, the only way to solve that problem we thought was to expand the walls. And the operations committee of um, the board really pushed us to think differently about us and to think about remodeling this room. And this was really built in the early 80s as a cheap gym. The floor was right on concrete, no bleachers, no sound system, minimal lighting. Um, and with the push from the board, we went back and um, designed this as our new home court, movable stands, movable baskets, large screen, um, we can do replay, instant replay, schools are live streaming, so we can do that. But the board member who also pushed us became so energized by the vision of this, he gave the lead gift and then committed to leading us on a campaign for this project. And I don't think if he hadn't seen this vision, he would have done that. And so um, Jordan Court has been a real successful, we're in, we, if we were playing right now, we'd be in year four of using that space. And on a basketball game, we can fill the whole um, stadium. We increased our seating by about 50% from what we previously had. And then just um, the pool area. Before, we had no spectator space. Um, we were able to create seating there and um, really has enhanced that program. We now had swimmers. Um, be able to compete at a national level. And, and one of the swimmers told me that I know well, she said, I just felt the energy of a crowd finally while I was competing. Like this space made a huge difference on my performance. And then you can see the entrance to our sports center now, which has a presence that didn't have it before. So when you ride on campus, that's one of the first visions you see. And so what's next for us? Um, 
Our next focus is really on some of the things we need to do outside. Um, as I said, we have a concession and bathroom area that really is not adequate at all. Um, and we started a plan that had one large um, concession, bleachers, uh, restrooms, team rooms, ref rooms attached to our soccer area. And that was the original plan until about three years ago when we start testing it with donors. And we found out that we couldn't get enough interest because they thought it was all about our soccer program. So our hockey and lacrosse and baseball and softball donors were not as connected. And when we revisited it, we really thought, you know, we have some other needs now. Um, the advantage to having a plan is you can go back to it and tweak it. And so we are announcing in our public campaign this coming May, three small buildings um, that will meet the needs of restrooms in different areas of the large facility, concessions, team locker rooms, um, space for donors and parents to gather pre or post games. Um, and the, the beauty of adjusting this plan is one, we've increased our donor base and we've, we've received a lead gift to start this work. Two, we can do one, of, one project at a time. So we don't need um, millions of dollars, we need small projects. And so um, my sense is that if I do one of these, that will excite people to think about the next two and help our development team in raising funds. So we're excited about this. We're excited to announce this um, and have the impact on our campus. And so for us, doing an enhancement plan really engaged the board in discussions in a way they had not been. They knew we had successful athletic programs, but they didn't understand campus wellness, what we were doing in the classroom, what we were doing about um, needs. We toured our old facilities and then had them meet with Dirk and Edson to help think through that. Um, a small committee had an active part in our plan, and I think, uh, as I shared, that helped pay off. The visuals have been incredible. Um, renderings tell a story and a vision. And we work really hard to do our best to build what that rendering looks like, but it has made donor visits so much easier. So while we might be raising money for, at the time, the fitness center, the donor um, could have seen all of our plan. And they could say, you know what, I, I'm not a fan of the fitness center, but I am passionate about softball. And so I will help support that related to softball. And so it allowed us to increase our donor base. The other thing it did was it led us into then completing a campus master plan that we could incorporate this, tweak this, and have a solid base for it. And it, that master plan actually has um, several phases to it. And we are just about completing our first phase of that. And a lot of the athletic projects were part of that first phase. So we feel like the planning has just been a critical part. It's allowed us to be strategic in our decisions. It's allowed us to base it in some data and information versus who's the loudest, who's yelling the loudest. Um, what we feel like we now have a campus that's attractive to students, attractive to our athletes, attractive to hiring employees that coach and teach in those areas and has had a positive impact on our campus. So I'm going to let Eric now talk about the business plan part of it. Thank you, Kathy. Um, brief overview of Eastern University. 
Uh, we're a small Christian college just outside of Philadelphia. Um, we've got 3,300 trad and non-trad uh, students on our campus, 900 residential students, uh, which is a little lower than what we've had in the past. Um, currently, we have 390 student athletes, non-duplicated um, student athletes, over 21 different teams. Um, we compete in the MAC, so we are uh, friendly rivals with Messiah and, and now going to be sharing a, that side of the conference with them in the Commonwealth, so it'd be a lot of fun to compete uh, with Messiah. But my role in this, um, I started as the athletic director. I was originally the men's basketball coach at the university, so I had a some pre-existing relationships in the building and, and we had some transitions going on. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be asked to serve in this capacity. So some of the stuff I'm gonna talk about was already in motion with Dirk and Edson. Um, and I've kind of uh, taken the ball and ran with it at this point and, and, and worked alongside Steve and his team to really start implementing a lot of the thought processes. What you see here in front of you is uh, what I was working with. This was our rec gym that you see on the on the right hand side and on the left was our fitness center. Um, very dated and uh, Kathy referenced about you know jokingly that she wanted to take a sledgehammer. Uh, I could tell you wholeheartedly our entire athletic department wanted to run around here with every building and hit it with a sledgehammer. So we had a lot of challenges. Uh, this fitness center served our entire campus and to give you an idea that was probably about I don't know, 1,200 square feet of space. Um, where we've moved on to is now um, this vision of recreating that space. Um, that rec gym is now our fitness center. So you have our renderings working with Steve and his team. This was the vision and now this is actually what we're working with. Um, we've been blessed uh, and had a overwhelmingly positive uh, reaction to this space. Uh, it is used by student athletes, faculty, staff, alumni, um, and it's basically our hub. It's our base, uh, that first initial wave for our athletic initiative and our growth mindset here at the university, um, and really got the ball rolling. Um, we're able to function on uh, with quite a few people in that space, as, as similar to what Kathy re referenced. Um, and we can have our athletics teams training and our faculty and staff using the space all at the same time without any problem whatsoever. Um, so now in this role, uh, we needed to create kind of that vision. Uh, we had administrative support. They were taking the lead uh, on this uh, and passed the baton on to me. Um, so administrative support I inherited, uh, which is a blessing as an athletic director. Anytime you have administrative support from day one, it's a lot easier to get things accomplished. Uh, but the biggest obstacle was getting that, the, the board support, overall financial commitment that's needed to uh, initiate this plan, start adding athletic teams. Um, Steve referenced earlier all the different reasons why uh, universities examine this plan. Uh, we basically checked every single box. Uh, we are one of those campuses at 60, 40, maybe even 65, uh, 35 when it comes to our ratios and we're heavily uh, female populated campus. Um, so in order to really start to grow um, our facilities, we only have two locker rooms on our campus. We currently have 21 teams and if we continue to grow, it would be impossible uh, to sustain any kind of success with this uh, initiative. So 
once we started to go down that road and, and, sh and we'll have some renderings to show the, um, similar to Kathy and Messiah, we were able to really gain support from my board by not only laying out a business model in place, um, but also showing the renderings and the growth and how it can impact. Um, and then we needed to move on to getting campus support. Like any other campus, every campus across the country, there's always that kind of friction and divide with academics and athletics and who's getting what and where the funding's going. And, and when you start to look at an athletic, athletically driven growth model, it, it does uh, start with some reservations across campus. So we, we conducted several town hall meetings uh, with our stakeholders uh, across campus, alumni, everybody was allowed to tune in, ask questions um, to start to get that momentum going. And then as an athletic director, you got to get buy-in uh, from your coaches and your direct staff and what you're doing. Similar to, to um, what other universities are facing, you're at Division Three. We like to talk about student athletes, but at the end of the day, uh, they're all one and the same. Your athletes are your students. Uh, that was an easy thing to sell to our nursing program, which is a nationally ranked program. Uh, our business department, our educational department, they are our athletes are their students, and that's how we stay afloat as an institution. And most Division Threes are similar. Um, you know, having those conversations with your coaches on that growth mindset. Uh, we uh, have a lot of successful programs. Our women's volleyball program is a nationally recognized program uh, with multiple final, you know, Final Fours, Sweet Sixteens, Elite Eight runs. They've done it, um, and we've been blessed to have that kind of program. Our men's soccer program is highly competitive, just coming off a Sweet 16 appearance a couple years back, and then our men's lacrosse program. So we've had similar successes uh, that a lot of programs go through. So coaches seem to be get set in their ways. We're a lot of type A personalities, and I think I got a competitive advantage in selling this vision to our coaches because I was one of them and I was in the trenches with them. Um, we started to really examine rosters. Uh, and where we currently were, where they were comfortable, and where we needed to go. Um, because like anything else, your coaches are going to say, yeah, I would love to have a bigger roster, but I need more money. You know, I need to have larger bu budgets. I need a robust budget. I need to grow my staff. I need full-time assistance. Um, so it's kind of a back and forth with our staff saying, you can't have any of those things. We're going to be stuck in the mud without any growth if we don't take that first step. Everyone wants the cart before the horse. It's very difficult to do at times. Um, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So it was the growth mindset, holding my coaches accountable to that vision, um, setting it uh, a specific number for every program. Um, and we've done that. So one of the things that's really helped, and it's through the guidance of Dirk and Edson, is that, that uh, financial piece to this. Yeah, we took the emotion out of everything. Uh, it became black and white. It became dollars and cents. Um, in order for us to really maximize our athletic department's potential, it was filling our rosters to the max capacity and then also adding these sports. And it's about the revenue we were able to generate uh, was able to then help our operational budgets and finance these things as, we, as we've grown. Um, but none of this is possible. You hit a limit. Every campus lives, hits a limit, a threshold of what you can do. Um, and our campus is no difference. With two locker rooms operating 21 sports currently uh, and the growth that I'll talk about in a second, we are at our capacity. Um, you know, we probably got room 
to maximize our current teams with another probably 40 to 50 athletes. Um, but at some point there's a breaking point and that was part of the sell to get board support. Um, and then the biggest thing when you're starting to get your coaches on board is reward achievement. Um, you know, you've got to take into account title nine, you got to take into account all of those things that are, um, very important and we take serious and we apply. However, um, you know, I will give you some numbers. You know, we were running a baseball program with 27 athletes at one point with a $13,000 operating budget. Impossible. Um, there was no growth there. It was not, it, I can understand why the coach wasn't bringing on more athletes because they just couldn't afford to do it. And then it, all the pressure was on them to fundraise all the, the gaps. Um, so that's into our model. If we go to the next slide, um, you'll see kind of now what we're looking to do. You know, we've already added our men's volleyball program from scratch. Uh, we had, a, like I mentioned, a very successful women's volleyball program. So it was very easy to add. We have the facilities. Yes, we only have two locker rooms, but we can handle that growth. Um, you know, right now we're sitting on uh, a roster of 14 with a, a goal of being at, at a minimum of 18 on our roster, which we'll have by fall of 21. Um, but then now the, the bigger step, the, the next step, the big jumps is adding uh, football and looking at wrestling. Um, all of those sports are on the table, but it is impossible for us to add any of those until we make that commitment on those leg, uh, legacy projects, as Steve was mentioning, to the overall growth. And, and this is where we're at. Um, we added a track team before I became the athletic director. Uh, I think I, I was on the second year of its um, of the program competing. Uh, we've had honestly a lot of success without a track. Um, where our roster right now is at 70. That's kudos to our, our coaches. Um, but we don't have a track. We run on the turf fields that we have. We find anywhere we can. Our cross country runs in the community. Um, it's not ideal. We've hit our limit. There's no way we can continue to grow that program and the potential that's there to be at 90, 100, 110, 120, depending on uh, where you're located. We're just blessed to be just outside of Philadelphia. So it's an easier market for us to sell. Um, but this is our vision and where we're going. As you can see, there's a full stadium that we were looking to put on our campus. Uh, there'll be locker room spaces. We are going our growth models from our current uh, facility of two locker rooms up to a total of 11 um, to really offer the, what everybody's needing. Kathy referenced uh, this. High schools nowadays have facilities that will trump majority of the division threes out there. So you need to now offer a space that's attractive and appealing to help you grow your roster in this growth mindset and growth initiative through athletics. Um, this is the vision that's really put it over the top with the board and to gain uh, the, the momentum we need to move forward with our plan. Um, we're looking to take our baseball field and we've put some money already into that complex, but to take that next step and to turf it and make it a, a multi-sport uh, location. Um, like many institutions, we have a really hard time giving a robust experience for everyone on our campus. Um, we do not have a robust intramural program. We do the best we can with what limited space and time we have left. So. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. We will end up having an intramurals program 
at 10 o'clock at night and concluding at one in the morning, running out of a gym. That's not good for a student experience when you're thinking about their academics and you're thinking about the total experience of, of a college experience. Uh, the ability to offer this kind of complex with the lighting now just frees everything up. You know, right now we have natural grass on our baseball field to be able to offer turf and have intramurals playing there uh, during normal hours of the day will enhance your campus overall. Um, we'll move on here. Here's another look, um, you know, of what we're envisioning. It's a complete overhaul, and I wish I had some pictures to show you where we're at today. Um, this would take our program to the next level if we keep moving through. So current successes um, through some of these renderings and a really deep dive into the numbers, the emotional piece, take it out of it. Um, when I took over the position, we had a athletic department that consisted of 327 athletes. Um, the projections of the first year of football increase our athletic participation, non-duplicated athletes up to 564. It's a gigantic jump and something that is easily obtainable if the plan is put into place appropriately. So a little bit of the cart before the horse when it comes to funding, you need to get that board support. You need to get your donors behind the vision. Uh, we've been able to do that. Uh, we've been approved for a $25 million build out, a leg legacy project that we're working on right now. This is not public knowledge. We have not put this out to our, uh, alumni base, so please don't uh, start sharing football and everything else. But uh, second, uh, we've renovated our, our facilities now. Um, cosmetic improvements have been huge for us. The fitness center being the first. Um, and then now we've addressed our baseball field. Uh, when I tell you it was an eyesore, um, we had a backstop that looked like um, the Bad News Bears played on it. I mean, it was broken, rusted out, overhang terrible setup. Um, we've addressed that, uh, dumped about $140,000 into the, the facility currently. Our softball field got a complete renovation, uh, $300,000. So we didn't make huge financial commitments yet into the athletics, but we did take that first step. And I'll talk about how the numbers improved. And then our gymnasium currently, uh, we're making huge uh, improvements in there. Uh, we've put a, uh, a centerpiece video board up into our court uh, we have a small gym. Uh, it's a data gym, but we have we have maximized every dollar that we put into it to really change the look of our campus. Um, as I've mentioned, we started off at 327 uh, student athletes here at Eastern when I took the position. Currently, we're at 390, and that's included during this COVID time. Um, we have had a great partnership with our admissions team, and we've gone back and forth, and we've uh, work closely together on to achieve our goals, but our, our coaches and their buy-in is driving all of this. Uh, we have not added a sport during this uh, COVID time outside of esports. Um, but if I can give you numbers, we had an incoming class of um, traditional um, enrollment at 380 this year, as opposed to 335 in the past. Uh, athletics increased our enrollment um, by 50% to our rosters. So there's a direct correlation to what we're doing in athletics to the growth of our institution. Uh, we had an incoming class last year of 108. We have 159 coming in this year. So our athletic initiative is in uh, 
highly successful so far and, and really uh, been great for us. Um, introducing a, J, a robust JV program has been uh, key. Um, our goal here at Eastern is to provide an opportunity basically for everyone on our campus to, to participate in athletics if they choose. And our coaches now um, are behind this model. Uh, we've got JV programs slated to start for baseball, men's basketball and men's soccer currently. Uh, women's basketball is next. Women's soccer will be looking to do the same. Um, softball will be looking to do the same. And what we're trying to do with that is, is uh, increase our bandwidth and, and, and play against junior college competition. Give a student athlete that wants to come to Eastern the opportunity to be a part of our program. Uh, but in order to do that, you need to fund it properly. I want to give them the best experience. Uh, when I was the men's basketball coach, um, I grew my program when we first took over to 32 athletes, uh, recruited athletes into our men's basketball program, but it wasn't funded properly. So it was not sustainable. Um, that mindset now has changed and we're funding the program accordingly. Uh, like I had mentioned, the only sport that we had added is now this esports, uh, you know, and that's been fantastic. We added, we made the announcement in December of this past year. We had 10 incoming recruited athletes. The roster as a whole is up to 30. Uh, so we had a lot of students uh, that, that were already here at Eastern now partaking in that sport. And then our future, the legacy project, all the slides that you saw will uh, take us to that next big phase and that big jump in, in what we're trying to accomplish uh, in adding football and wrestling. So, um, that's going to be the driver when you when you go to your board and you're going to your administration and you're sitting there you take the emotion out of it and you show them that growth model you know where we're going to go from 327 and we're going to be have a goal of 564 by the time we kick off on the football field uh it really drives the message home so um that's basically how we've implemented and and steve and his team have adjusted this plan as we've gone we've talked uh, currently we have another sit down next week to see where we're currently at and what we're trying to accomplish so um, at this point i am done with my section of it and we'll open it up to anybody uh, with questions thank you eric thank you kathy and eric for sharing your insight on your campus um, I just like to encourage our attendees to use the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom window um, and hit us with your questions for the panelists. Um, to get us going, um, Steve, this may be a question for you, but um, we've heard two really great case studies from these two universities that are in Pennsylvania. Um, can you just briefly touch on maybe some other um, institutions, other geographic areas of the country that you've worked with um, through this planning process? Sure, yes, uh, Eric and Kathy were gracious enough to participate, but they both happen to be even in the same conference. Uh, but we're working all over the country, uh, completed athletic projects in Maine, working on one in Florida uh, and Virginia right now. We have one under construction in Ohio, uh, completed projects in Alabama and Arkansas and Iowa. So uh, it really is a, it's a national effort. Uh, just today's examples happen to be from Pennsylvania. I think one great thing about this presentation today was obviously we got to see the perspective from two small schools. Um, you know, the NACTN affiliates membership encompasses institutions of all sizes across the country. And so we really like to hear the small school perspective when we can. 
Um, can you talk about how this can apply to, you know, Division Two and Division One institutions also? Absolutely, and we have been doing athletics planning for all divisions uh, across the country. Certainly, um, and even, even within the Division One, there's different levels of facilities for Division One schools. Um, and so the principles here apply across the board. Um, the new sports analysis as well. So uh, we've done uh, facilities for um, all of those levels. And um, obviously the, uh, the student experience, the athletic experience is sometimes better funded at Division I, um, but uh, we find sometimes the same exact challenges at all levels. have you seen um, the needs or visions of institutions change uh, over the last six months during this COVID time um, in terms of their planning? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, many institutions, uh, so many, uh, no matter if you're an administrator or an athletic director, I think a decision exhaustion uh, probably describes where most of you are right now. Uh, and so I've, I've, I've been in touch with a lot of uh, athletic directors uh, over the summer and, and trying to respond and to react to things on almost a daily basis as everybody exhausted. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, uh, it also in some cases uh, here in the fall has given some uh, individuals time to think about what could be. And uh, so I, I believe right now I've had so many conversations uh, with athletic directors about do my locker room spaces need to change for more social distancing? Uh, do we need to be thinking that way? And I think that for the most part, everybody's like, let's just take a pause and see where this ends up before we make those kind of dramatic changes. Um, I will say though that uh, I have not seen any letdown for schools who are looking to grow their athletics program. Um, obviously it may get pushed down a year or two before we're able to bring those on, but uh, that conversation has not seemed to slow down during uh, the COVID situation. Can you go over um, just really quickly again, the, so the people who are involved in the planning process, you know, when an athletics director decides to get started, um, who, who do you bring in that inner circle? Who's in the room to start the conversation and to kind of carry you through this process? That's a great question. I probably should have touched on that. We're used to working generally with a committee. Obviously the athletic directors there, sometimes vice president in, Kat, in, case, in Kathy's case, vice president of operations, or sometimes the CFO, one of the administrators sits on that as well. Um, as well as key coaches. We also want to make sure we have somebody who's there to represent student recreation and intramural programs to be part of those conversations. And so we're used to typically working on this uh, kind of a committee with uh, three to eight people. Uh, we want a good cross section. At times we've even done interviews with students. Uh, we can easily do that and hear their needs, their perspective. Uh, which is always helpful. Um, I've had a couple situations where the president uh, on the smaller school sits in on these committees because it's also intertwined, as Eric really articulated well, it is also intertwined uh, that it impacts the entire institution. So generally three to eight people is the right to size and uh, those are kind of the key people that we'd like to see uh, depending upon the personality of the institution. So for our administrators who are in the line, um, who are interested in, in potentially getting this started, um, can we go through just, again, the, the timeline? It seems like there's probably a big range, right? There's like short-term planning and then this could take you know years. You could be working back and forth on these types of projects. So um, can you give us a good starting point for people who might be interested? And then you know a couple different options of, you know based on what they're looking at, what sort of time commitment um, they're looking at? Well, I think as Kathy mentioned, I think the key is, is getting uh, around the table for this initial 
four or five month process and identify short and long-term needs. And once you do that, some of the short-term projects, uh, the athletic staff themselves can take it and run with it if there's financing available to do it. But other projects, for example, the little video I showed you of uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey, um, and one of the reasons why I think this planning is so important, so many times I've seen a situation, we wanna bring on a track and field team and we're gonna start them in, uh, in, in two years. Okay, that may be great. You can hire a coach, you can get all of your paperwork done, but you may not have a facility for that. And in the case of New Jersey, the approval process with some neighbors was a huge hurdle. Um, I know Kathy had some challenges when we did the lacrosse stadium because of neighbors and lights. And so on some of those bigger projects, we've got to really start thinking about the timeline practically to get things built. And then that's what drives bringing on the new programs. Um, so as you get into the planning process, identifying the projects, part of that conversation is realistic timelines to implement them. And some of those larger projects, and we can, we can offer that, obviously uh, municipal approvals are sometimes difficult to evaluate, but as far as construction ability, design time and so forth, uh, we can put some reasonable schedules, even as part of that uh, initial planning effort for each of the projects. That sounds great. Well, we have um, obviously our panelists' contact information up on this slide now, so I'd encourage our attendees to reach out if you have any questions to our speakers. Um, we have a, a couple minutes left. Is there any closing statements from our speakers that you'd like to leave our attendees with today? Uh, no, just appreciate the time. Hopefully uh, this has spawned some thought for you and you applied some of the things that you've seen here maybe to your own institution. Um, I just, uh, what my experience has been is that the small investment for upfront planning plays off uh, long term very, very well. And as Kathy said, uh, just because it's a plan doesn't mean you don't adjust it as you go. And in both Eric's cases and Kathy's, we're modifying, massaging the plan, but the principles that were early established are still holding true. And, and that's important. So it's usually worth the effort uh, to chart this thing out and think long term. So thanks for your time. We've had a great morning and, and we appreciate it.